Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the RFWP. I'm Lois McNair. And I'm Emily Lewis. And you two have the most hideous women's voices I've ever heard in all of my life. Oh, goodness. We are not your hosts. This is the RFWP, though. I'm J.C. Groves. That's Nathan Cravat. That's Brian Edwards. And here's the real host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis. Hey, guys. Hi, everybody. We are so glad to be here and recording with you guys. Hey, we're glad to be here. This is your show. We're just... We're just here as guests. This is awesome. And by the time we get done, JC, you may not be so glad you're here. <laughs> just kidding. Please direct all of the really hard questions and deep theological questions and ac- accusatory questions. Direct all those to JC, please. Yeah, so I was going to say, Brian, are you saying that Nathan couldn't handle those questions? <laughs> is that where we're headed here? That's what I think. That's what he's saying. I think that's what he means. No, I'm saying Nathan is too nice to be mean to. Oh, <laughs> well, since I used to be Nathan's teacher, I think I have been mean to him. So I think we're good on that one. Deservedly so. Well, we're really glad to have you guys. Um, this is a privilege for us and kind of a crazy dream come true that I didn't know that I was having. Did that make sense? <laughs> if not, that's okay. But yeah, so when I, I came on the podcast in July of 2020, what a year to go on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. But in July of 2020, um, who knew that (laughs) towards the beginning of 2021, we'd be starting a women's podcast at y'all's request that God put Emily and I together in the craziest of ways, which we've talked about on our first couple of podcasts. And just glad you're here. Plus, we just have a lot of fun together because we all laugh at we all laugh at Brian's dad jokes. Thank you so much. Well, we have been listening to your podcast, and we love it, and we're so thankful for what you guys are doing and to be a part of it. This was this was part of a dream and, I guess, a bucket list for the podcast from the very beginning. We knew that it would be very pretentious of us to try to speak into women's issues as men, and so you guys are really making our dreams come true. Thank you so much. Hey, Nathan, you just brought up a good point that I've always thought about. Is it not weird that men bring a Mother's Day message on Mother's <laughs> Day and tell women how to be women? Woo. I've always just thought that seems so strange. It's why on Mother's Day, I don't preach Mother's Day messages because I've never been a mother. And this is what I do know. If the continuation of the human race depended on men, the human race would have been extinct a long time ago. (laughs) Listen, the man flu is real. Oh, man. So, Brian, I have to ask you, you said you don't preach a Mother's Day message, so what do you do that day? I typically just preach an all-inclusive family-type message Mm -hmm. unless we're in a series, and then I just preach that, and at the end, have everybody applaud the mothers and tell them to go do something nice for their moms. Okay. So I have actually been in a service that um, had a female speaker on that day. And last year, I know there were several women that were asked to speak 
at their churches on Mother's Day, and one of them got told to basically go home and make me a sandwich by somebody out on the West Coast. Whoa. You guys remember that? Mm-hmm. I think I've heard of that, yeah. <laughs> I've heard two very, very interesting Mother's Day sermons live and in person. One, and I won't tell either of these identities of the preachers, but one was on the evils of birth control. (laughs) (laughs) Mother's Day sermon on the evils of birth control. You, I, I can't make this up. And the other one was a sermon, I don't really remember what it was on, but about a fourth of the way in, he got hung up on drinking alcohol. So the rest of the sermon was just this angry tirade against anybody who drank alcohol, including women who drank alcohol when they should be doing other things. And it was horrible, absolutely embarrassing. Believe it or not, one of those was in a Southern Baptist church. I won't tell you which one. (laughs) Shoo, that's scary. Hey, I want to know why you gave me a shout out for my awesome title, but then you wouldn't actually say it on the air. Are you serious? Can I say it? You, okay, so everybody that listened to that podcast knew who I was talking about if they've listened to your your intro. I, I didn't know. Maybe, wait, uh, maybe we should play the intro? Let me tell you something, Bozo. They'll be selling Frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Tell us what your RFWP stood for. So my idea was recovering fundamentalists wear pink panties. (laughs) (laughs) You almost couldn't spit it out. (laughs) Via Larry Brown. I mean, there you go. Wow. It was kind of more of a, it was more of a slam at us, (laughs) but being a woman's podcast that, that took on whole new meaning. So I understand why you didn't reveal that. Hey, Lois, you you know how you can tell if Nathan's friends are driving the bus when you throw us (laughs) under the bus? If they run over us, they're Nathan's friends. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> uh, well, I think the RFWP is awesome, and uh, I'm so glad that you guys are, are taking on this ministry because, you know, JC and Nathan and myself, we've never had a single moment experience of being women. Never. And so many of those who have been hurt in the fundamentalism are women because let's just be honest women catch the brunt of the horror of all of it and uh i can tell a story now or i can tell it later depending on what you want me to do since you're the host um i actually had a young lady tell me recently that an independent fundamental baptist pastor where they were going i love that were and um he brought them into the office and let them know that the majority of the church's rules would be harder on her because she was a woman, but that if she were a godly woman, that, that she would accept the brunt of that knowing that there'd be greater rewards for her Mm -hmm. in heaven. I don't, Oh my gosh. I don't even know what to say. Emily help. So he, (laughs) so he was willing to admit this is harder on women but she's just going to have to bear up under it. Yes. In hopes of greater rewards in heaven, because we know the verse that says 
if thou obeyest all the rules of thine independent fundamental Baptist pastor, O female, thou shalt receive great reward in heaven. It's right beside the verse that says that the King James Bible is God's only preserved translation. And women can't wear pants. Second book of the opinions. <laughs> well, guys, Emily is probably, well, she is um, the most recent of the five of us to step away from the IFB. Yep, it's true. Mm. And she kind of got thrown onto the bus on Twitter today. Uh-oh, what happened? I dared to believe that grace is applicable outside of salvation. Yeah. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. So IFB Sermon Clips posted a clip of her former youth pastor that... Apparently, somebody in his congregation has been had listened to my interview with Emily or a couple of episodes or whatever. And so she has now become apparently the Sunday evening uh, examples without her name. But even in one clip, he said, and I think you all know who we're talking about, something along those lines. Whoa. But yeah, so she she got. um I think he even said they. Um, she had was talking about in her interview the fact that, you know, she used to just dig and look in Scripture for some phenomenal thing about God. And basically now she just reads Scripture and lets the Holy Spirit speak to her and let God reveal to her what he wants to reveal to her instead of her working at it and striving for it as though she were going to be rewarded for it. And, um, and it got taken completely out of context. He didn't even listen to it. He got it from somebody else. And, um, <laughs> and she just, she just is being used as an example now, as we've heard from so many, right? So many that have oh, yeah. left their churches, they're, they're being used as examples for months. I guess they become the new sermon illustration. Yeah, I, I think. If it happens again, I'm about to ask for royalties or something for feeding him all his sermon <laughs> content. You need a percentage of the tithes. Yes, please. <laughs> but really, it honestly, what I what I responded to Lois on that clip is it it honestly makes it breaks my heart because I think about the young girls that are sitting on the front row that are me years ago, yeah. and I just really wish that I could be the last generation that is broken by the out-of-context, unbiblical bondage that frames yeah. God as more of a taskmaster than it does a loving Heavenly Father. Like, it's got to stop. And I would love mm -hmm. for it to stop right here. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Emily, I've always wanted to ask somebody, um, and I think you would be a great person to ask, given the way you phrased that, that statement. Were there ever times in the independent fundamental movement that you felt almost embarrassed to be that girl who was sitting on the front row? Or were there ever times when, when your mind kind of absorbed for a moment, wait a minute, this is oppressive. Um, I'm being targeted because I'm a woman. Were there ever times like that? Can you speak to that? I guess I just adopted the narrative that if I was spiritual, I would be able to handle it. The church that I grew up in was 
particularly spiritually abusive. And my family and I have had conversations about this. And I don't remember if I mentioned it on um, the episode, Lois, and I did on your podcast, but we just always thought we were less than and not Mm. spiritual enough if Mm. this bothered us or if the guilt trips or the shaming or the intimidation tactics, if they bothered us, we felt less than and like I should just be able to handle this. So I don't think I really woke up I until a friend of mine a few years before I left started asking lots of questions and good questions and questions neither of us had the answers to. But no, I don't know that I questioned it while I was in it until the faith crisis that I talk about happened. I've heard from so many really men and women, but so many girls that grew up in the IFB and in oppressive cultures that beat women down, how Mm -hmm. they just reached a point where they knew they could never measure up and they just gave up. And somebody shared a country song with me today that this immediately immediately made me and this other person think about the IFB and people who were raised in that and just gave up and walked away. Listen to these lyrics says, if you save yourself for marriage, you're a bore. If you don't save yourself for marriage, you're a horrible person. If you won't have a drink, then you're a prude. But they'll call you a drunk as soon as you down the first one. If you can't lose the weight, then you're just fat. But if you lose too much, then you're on crack. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. So you might as well just do whatever you want. The second verse, listen to the second verse. If you don't go to church, you'll go to hell. If you're the first one on the front row, you're a self-righteous son of a can't win for losing. You'll just disappoint them. You just can't beat them just because you just because you can't beat them don't mean you should join them. And here's the chorus. So make lots of noise, kiss lots of boys, or kiss lots of girls if that's something you're into. When the straight and narrow gets a little too straight, roll up a joint or don't. Just follow your arrow wherever it points. If that's not the story of someone who said, mm-hmm. I can't measure up, right. so... I'm just going to have fun. I don't know what it is, what is and if that doesn't just spell out what's going on in our culture right now and I just can't help but see oppressive religion turning out people like this that either become self-righteous or just give up because they can't measure up. Yep. Exactly. I know, I know plenty of people who have, and those are the people that I want to talk to. I want to say, God's not like that. Mm. That's, that's religion. Yes, that's oppressive and awful. Um, but there's freedom. There's actually freedom. It's not a, just a, a slogan that we say. There actually is freedom in Christ yeah. and fulfillment. And the amazing thing about this group of five people is that we all grew up in oppressive religion to some extent or the other, and yet we have been 
brought back in by this loving God who captured our hearts despite how people portrayed him. And I just think it's awesome that there are so many people who are not walking away but are saying, I know God can't be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, guys, one of the one of the things that I want to ask you um, is doesn't have anything to do about um, the women's podcast. It's more about about your journey, and I know that probably a lot of people have have heard your stories and all. But um, a question was posed to me today for you guys that I thought I'd like for our listeners here on the RFWP to hear, and. The question was, what was your very beginning spark or thought process why you wanted to talk about recovering from fundamentalism? Do you remember that first spark, that first thought process? You know, I mean, you're out, you're free, right? Why get back into the echo chamber? Mm-hmm. So, so what was that first spark, that first thought process for each one of you? Well, I'd been out for a long time. Um, I distanced myself completely from fundamentalism for several years. I think I became as sinful in my defensive as many of them were in their offensive. Um, I was, for a long time, frustrated and angry about the way that I'd been brought up, the hundreds of hours, thousands of hours that I'd spent under fundamentalist preaching in those revival meetings. Never encouraged to um, pursue higher education. Never encouraged to ever see anything outside of the box of fundamentalism. And so for so many years, I was so far away from it that I never dreamed I would have any interaction with fundamentalism ever again. And then God started bringing guys to me who were independent Baptists, who were asking me to help them on their journey out of independent fundamentalism. And I didn't know of anybody else doing that. Um, I didn't know other people came out before me. They may have, but I didn't know them. And so guys were coming to me, and it became kind of a ministry. And uh, I was, you know, leading as many guys as I possibly could. I started interacting with other guys. And then over time, I realized, wait a minute, there's a need for the guys who are leaving independent fundamentalism to have a community because the biggest thing guys fear is isolation and loneliness Uh, because let's just be honest. My dad said, you don't have to worry about leaving fundamentalism. You just start changing and they'll leave you. Mm. And there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. And, and so I, I realized there's a need for this ministry. And, and I've been trying to do this now for several years. Nathan knows about that even more so than, and JC, uh, kind of my interaction with guys and, and getting groups together and, and holding conferences and things like that to help guys make that journey and try to reach guys on a broader scale. I have to be honest, I'd never even listen to a podcast. <laughs> I'm not even really sure that I knew what a podcast was. Podcast? What's a podcast? Him exactly. And Brian and Barry Goodman are in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Good old brother Perry. Uh, But they went out from us because they were not of us. And had they been of us, they would have not gone out thus from us. Somebody say amen. He's begging for them. My favorite moment of that whole apostasy episode was when Nathan said, 
he didn't even quote the King James correctly. Yes, that was I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but then I got this call, and uh, it was Nathan and JC, and they introduced me to the idea of a podcast. And I really didn't know what that was, and I really didn't know what it was going to look like. I really didn't know what it was going to sound like. But there was this dream and belief that we were going to be able to reach people in fundamentalism on a broader scale. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'd been dreaming about, wanting to do. I'd been laboring, trying to accomplish. And I didn't know that the invitation to be a part of this podcast, for which I'm grateful that JC and Nathan would have invited me to be a part of it. But I've seen now how that we are really, really affecting people on a much larger level than I ever would have in the way that I was attempting to achieve that at the time. Mm. And uh, so I'm just That's grateful good. to uh, to have a voice with these guys. I greatly respect each one of them. Um, I love the fact that all three of us bring something different to the podcast. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that we're getting messages now almost every day of people who are leaving independent fundamentalism. And I believe that's why now we're a topic uh, in those sermons so often <laughs> because mm-hmm. they know that people are leaving in mass numbers and that's why even jack treber i think last week said that in about five to ten years independent fundamentalism would be extinct and uh that those were his words not mine so for anybody who wants to send in hate mail send that to jack treber please but so i'm just (laughs) grateful to be a part of the podcast grateful to have been invited and uh, grateful to see how god's using it so jc what was the spark, first spark for you, the first moment? And you may have said this, on, shared this on, on y'all's podcast, but what was that moment that was just like, I have to get out of here. This, yeah. this is not where I belong. This is not who I am. This is not who God's called me to be. I've got to step away from legalistic fundamentalism. Yeah. I think mine actually was instead of more of like an epiphany, mine was over time. Mm-hmm. Like I started seeing that I just wasn't what this culture was anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never the sit on the front row and scream and shout, hey man, at the preacher and preach preacher. And, you know, I'd wear the suits because I was singing, but like I, I, I wanted to preach. I wanted to do what God called me to do. And so I was always sitting in the back taking good notes, but could never feel like I could meet up the standard of the preacher boy because I just wasn't sitting on the front mm-hmm. row and shouting and then, uh, you know, going to Tennessee Temple and sitting there and just always pushing the envelope um, and seeing <laughs> what we could get done, you know. And it really – I don't think, Lois, Emily, there, there wasn't a moment that it was like, I got to get out of this. It was just mm-hmm. a gradual over time seeing different cultures and realizing that it was time. And honestly, when this podcast came around, it was just – I was looking for something that was similar to what we're doing, and there was nothing out there. It's crazy to think that a year and a half ago, there was nothing about the independent fundamental Baptist world. Nothing. You could not find a podcast regarding that. Um, I remember I was driving to Dallas, Texas, where my wife's from. And it was about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, and I start searching on my podcast app. I was typing in Independent Fundamental Baptist, IFB, legalism, ex-fundamentalism. Could not find anything. And a 
called Nathan at like 1.30 in the morning. We're hitting Little Rock, Arkansas. And I texted him. I said, you awake? He said, yeah. Gave Nathan a call. I said, dude, we need to start a podcast. He's like, okay. I was fired up. Like, I could have started that night. I was like, we're doing this. I was like, there is nothing about legalism, about fundamentalism, about this world that we grew up in. Like, there's nobody talking about that. I said, dude, I really think there are a lot of people that I went to school with, that you know, that are in this world, that we need to be a voice for them. And it all goes back to a moment when I was sitting at Lee Lee Robertson's funeral. I'll never forget this, sitting there, and I literally heard these two guys in front of me that said, this is the death of fundamentalism. And, And they were sitting there talking. And I remember in that moment, as a sophomore or junior in college, just be like, God, I want to do something that is going to affect change like Lee Robertson did. Who would have thought a podcast would be what kind of rocks this world a little bit? And we are mm-hmm. not saying, please send all the hate mail to Brian Edwards when you respond and say they think they're doing what Lee Robertson did with the <laughs> podcast. That is not what I'm saying. And if you think that, send everything to Hope Church in Danville, Georgia, or Danville, Virginia. Um, <laughs> But so Nate, I have so many haters already. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> because you're you're doing a lot more than Lee Robertson ever did. Brian Edwards, quote unquote. Um, but, but you know, it was in that moment, like that there was just this something's got to happen. We we yeah. really want to be a change, and and I listen to podcasts all the time, uh, and I was like, there's nothing that has a voice that could speak for people. And honestly, I, I've known of Brian for a long time, and it's weird how we, we've said this a lot on the art podcast, that God is always working. It might be behind the scenes, but he's doing things we're completely unaware of, but one day we benefit from. And 20 years ago, in a, through a circumstances in my life, I knew Brian. I knew his dad. Yep. We didn't really know each other. And then Nathan, you know, we've been best friends for a long time. Then Nate's like, we got to get this guy on. We got to get Brian on. And we had another guy that was going to go with us that just didn't work out. And, you know, Brian, the first meetup, he came up to Ch- uh, Ringgold. And we sat there in the hotel and talked for hours. And it was just like, it just worked. And we recorded the first episode. I actually went back and listened to episode one uh, just a couple days ago. I've actually, I never listened back to any of our podcasts. And I went back and listened to the first episode of us. And I was like, my gosh, it was just from from the first time it it just fit it was like god really was orchestrating and has a historical precedence for this podcast to start i mean here we are a year and a half later and there's 10 15 maybe even 20 podcasts that are all around the independent fundamental baptist right. world um talking about folks that are finding help from that and we love that um there are podcasts that are starting that are talking about helping people in all different areas we got the rfp network going up now that you guys are a part of that is from one spectrum to the other but it's all mm-hmm. like this is crazy talk i mean who would have thought that a year and a half ago this would all be coming together but what is the verse little as much when god is in it and um yeah. i'll tell you straight up like it, it it's not Nathan, it's not Brian, it's not JC, it's all three of us together um, that God has put. And, and I love these guys, like, working with them because there's not a one of us that it's like we've got to promote ourselves over the other. Mm. Um, it really is a, a we, not a me. No, I was just going to say, I never knew I was finally going to have real, true chemistry with somebody, and both of them were going to have beards. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> I love it. That's really good and not a dad joke. I'm that's good. Hey, every once in a while a blind squirrel finds a nut. Brian has a couple of them every once in a while. 
I heard a guy preaching one night, and he got that all confused. And he <laughs> said, he said, every now and then a blind pig finds a squirrel. <laughs> what? <laughs> he really did. It made no sense, but he had to own it. Nate, what about you? What, what do you, you can either speak to the first time that you just had that realization that I got to get out of here, or we kind of know about your realization about talking about fundamentalism because you got a wake up call at one thirty in the morning. Just share that with us. Yeah. For me in, in high school, I was a thinker and listening to sermons as a young boy and through high school and having conversations with my parents and teachers at a Christian school. Uh, some of those were, were with you, Lois, and working through some issues and just realizing I was not um, old school fundamentalist. I, I was raised in that. I knew what it was, but I saw the holes in it. And so by the time I graduated high school and got married the next year, I just knew I wasn't going that route and nobody was surprised. My parents weren't surprised. My family wasn't surprised. So my wife and I found a good balanced Southern Baptist church and which was unthinkable for the churches I was raised in. But, uh, the Lord, you know, did great things in our lives there. And then we ended up strangely enough, going back to an IFB church for a while, which is a church JC was raised in, but it really wasn't, your typical IFB church. It was more like a Southern Baptist church than any Southern Baptist church I had been at. And in certain ways, yeah, in certain ways. And they didn't, they didn't preach about the King James version. All the women wore pants and it just wasn't the typical legalist church, but you know, there's fundamentalism dies hard. So there, there was still some aspects there. And at the end of the biggest aspect that was still there was just leadership styles and I believe in a plurality of elder leadership now and uh, or elder led churches. And I was able to be there after the pastor who I loved for 22 years. He was at that church for 22 years. When he left, I was the only staff member uh, as the youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And so I sat through, I don't know, almost a year, maybe more of the deacons um, and this struggle for power within the church that ultimately destroyed it and uh, or tore it down tremendously from what it was. And by the time they found a new pastor, we were done. My wife was done. I was done. We had seen so much uh, behind the scenes that we left. And that's the first time we went to a church where we really felt like this is where we belonged. And that was a Calvary Chapel. And that was kind of my final step away from the Baptist world. What do you guys say to people who say that you're just rehashing the past or you should leave the hurt in the past when you get confronted with people who will say that your podcast isn't in the direction that we should be looking? Um, I'm assuming you get those messages because I've already got them. <laughs> what do you say to those objections? I would say this. It's never wrong to go back to Egypt and lead people out. I'm not rehashing anything. I'm not even bitter. I get accused of that all the time because I'm direct. That's just, but that's the way I am with anything and everything. Because I'm direct, I get called bitter. I'm not bitter. 
I just realized what I went through in independent fundamentalism. And uh, for that purpose, I love the opportunity to help people exit. Mm -hmm. The thing I would say to people that ask that question is, do you read your Bible? The Apostle Paul wrote a lot about rescuing people from legalism. And the book of Galatians itself is addressing the problem of the Judaizers or the circumcision party. And that's the same battle that the apostles were fighting. So for me, open your Bible. If you have a problem with what we're doing, you have a problem with Scripture. Your answer was so much more spiritual than mine. Why didn't I say that? <laughs> Here, I'll help you out, Brian, and make you feel spiritual. I just tell them uh, that when when they ask that and say we're hashing it up, as long as these guys are out there preaching this crap, we have content to continue to bring up and to say, hey, you're adding to the Scripture. You're preaching man-made rules. Come you're on. preaching man-made ideology. And as long as that's happening, we have content to continue the Recovering Fundamentalist Amen. podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I had people asking asking me that. I even had a few family members. Why do you want to mess with these guys? Why do you want to... And, and all it took for me a few times was to play a couple of clips yeah. to, and say, these aren't from 20 years ago. These are from last week. Right. And then go, oh, yeah, you need to be doing this. Amen. You need to be doing this. And you need to be helping women who are dealing with this narrative. Emily and I just started talking about, and it's going to be one of our hashtags, I think, for a while, untwisting the narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's I good. Like that. I, we're not bitter. We're mm -hmm. not angry. We're not hurt. We're not recovering from the fundamentals. We're no. calling this garbage out. And also, we're, we're standing up and being a voice. We're standing tall in a world that seems to be full of giants because these guys are uh, preaching that nobody's ever allowed to stand up and speak against them. And we're kind of showing that you can ask why. You can do some pushback. You can, you know come against what they say with biblical truth and right. it's not liked. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. And this is, um, something that I feel really strong about for women and men alike for the, this younger generation that's coming up. My kids are between the ages of 19 and almost 30. We've got four and, one of the things that I've always tried to stress to them that I want everybody that's trying to come out of the IFB in that thought process. And we, I think, I feel like we clarify this every time we have a podcast. I feel like you guys have clarified this probably on all 50 plus podcasts that you've done. We are not broad brushing IFB. We are talking about the legalistic fundamentalists that are not sticking just to scripture that are adding things as all of the Pharisees added all kinds of guidelines. Hey, Lois, can I just say one thing real quickly? Yes, please. I am a broad brusher. Are you a broad brusher? I am. That's okay. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't used to be, but I am now because every time I post something that would speak against the people that you just called out, all of them come after me, which proves the majority of them are all wearing the same jersey <laughs> because it should be them 
who are calling out those guys among their own ranks and distancing themselves. But when you address one of the issues, it doesn't take long for the whole crowd to show up. Yep. Mm, yeah. Emily, what do you think about that? You know, a lot of these conversations are interesting because I think I have a different, I didn't grow up in the South. I didn't grow up with the Bob Jones University. I mean, we thought we were the only right church. So it's funny to even some of the anecdotes of IFB, I don't even, I'm not even very familiar with. Well, you grew up in a Ruckmanite church. Oh, right. Wow. But wow. I didn't know it was Ruckman because my pastor claimed everything he preached as his own. And we <laughs> really thought we were the only good, right church. Wow. Not just in your town. You thought no, you no, guys yeah. were the only right yep. church in all of the United States. Right. So it wasn't you leave IFB and your family burns or goes up in smoke. Um, you leave this church and there's just no other hope. And that's very similar to Amish, to Mormons. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's the Cult. cultish. It is. It's cultish. <laughs> Who was it? Mark Lyra that said our preachers aren't always right, but they're never in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Not to quote the theologian Mark Mark Lowry. Lowry. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to talk about, we've talked about on our podcast, Women's Worth, but I would love to hear, I know your heart behind starting the podcast was to serve the women who are coming out of these oppressive situations. And I would love to hear you speak to Women's Worth and some women who have impacted your life influenced you in your Christianity? Yeah, I would love to speak into that. First of all, my mom, who was a godly lady and mother, and she loved me. She always spoke the truth in love. And while she was raised in the middle of some of the most staunch, rigorous, hateful fundamentalism I've ever seen or heard of, she retained her heart for God and her, she and my dad remove themselves from situation after situation that they saw were unhealthy. The second lady is a lady named Shirley Grant. And uh, she was actually in an IFB church, but this was a woman who was a lot like a grandmother to me. And from the time I was a little bitty boy, she just took an interest in me, loved me, prayed with me, prayed for me. And she would tell me every time I would see her growing up once or twice a year, every time she would see me, she would tell me that she prayed for me every day. And I'll never forget when I was in high school, um, someone had told her, probably probably my mom, that I was pretty much wandering and and uh, rebelling against uh, rules and against Christianity and just had didn't have a lot of interest in that. And she was so gracious to me that it just shocked me that instead of coming down on me and being, being uh, spouting the rules at me and you know telling me about judgment, she was so gracious and reminded me that God had a plan for my life that he was going to use me for the kingdom and she could see him working in my life. And she was so full of love. And that lady absolutely changed my life. And I can't wait to tell her thank you again one day. The other person Mm. is my wife. She has just always been a godly lady, a godly mom. And 
here's the thing. I know all the uh, bad things about my wife, and she knows all the bad things about me. But that woman loves God. She loves her Bible. She loves Scripture and theology. And here's the here's the thing about women and the church. Satan is against women. He has been since the garden. Mm-hmm. God and his yeah. church are for women, period. Or put an exclamation point on it. God and his church are for women. All women are equal image bearers of God. Amen. I was, I was reading today in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and this, this kind of struck me differently than I'd ever read it before. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So both are created in his image. And then if you notice, it didn't say, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds mm-hmm. of the air. It says, mm-hmm. and let them. They had different yeah. roles, but they were they were equal. And the problem is that Satan, through the fall and through the curse, has always exploited women. Women are physically weaker, typically, Um Physically, I, I would I could make a good case that they're mentally and emotionally stronger, but typically they're weaker physically. I'm I'm sure there's a woman out there or multiple that are stronger than me. However, I th- have you been to my gym I, lately? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but as a general rule, like for example, I figure I could probably beat either you or Emily in an arm wrestling match if it came right down to it. Maybe I don't know, but. Satan, Absolutely, you <laughs> Satan and fallen humans have always attacked women's vulnerability. I mean, think about the shootings that happened in Atlanta just a couple right. days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that right. was evil. In India today, which is a Hindu nation, there's a dowry system that's put on girls, which leads to most of the girls that are born in southern India being killed the day they're born. They're either dropped into boiling water as they're born, or they're left outside outside for wild animals to devour. This is happening today. There's a ministry called the Body of Christ Ministries that takes any and all babies in that have been left outside to die. Hmm. Um, all throughout history, hmm. 2,000 years ago in Greece, when Christ walked on the earth, men in that culture had... They had like four or five different categories of women. I'm not going to try to say the Greek words. You can look them up. But they had a woman. This was a husband. He would have a woman for pleasure, a woman to take care of his daily needs, physical needs. Then they would worship by going to temple prostitutes. And then they would have an actual wife for bearing legitimate children. Women in that culture were uneducated and kept in special quarters away from their husbands and forbidden to go out. So that was 2,000 years ago in Greece. Rome had a caste system. Women had no rights to their own children. They could not vote. They could not own property. So, so what changed? What changed that? Why does our world look the way it does today as far as the battle for women's rights? Well, one of the Roman emperors asked this guy named Pliny the Younger to 
visit a church and let him know what was different about these Christians that he couldn't, he couldn't do away with because the more he persecuted them, the more they multiplied. Well, Pliny the Younger wrote back to the emperor and said he visited a church and he found the most strange thing he had ever seen. There were two slave women who the church had made deaconesses. The, the church, the early church, honored and valued and exalted women. Galatians 3.28 says that in Christ, all are one. There's no male or female. And that's not talking about the genders are done away with. That's talking about our standing before Christ and our value yeah. to him. First Peter 3, 7, 7 say the husband and wife are joint heirs of the coming kingdom. That's, that's amazing language for the early church in this culture. And the thing that changed in this world is that the gospel has spread throughout the world through the church. If you, all you have to do is look back at the Old Testament. Women are equal image bearers in the Old Testament. Women were judges, prophets, mm -hmm. queens, avengers. I love the, the, the uh, woman that drove the tent peg through the guy's head that was escaping, J.L. I mean, how cool is that? That's, that's amazing. They were wives, and I think the greatest of all roles of women, and that is mothers. Mothers are so undervalued in this culture, and a lot of times by the people who claim to be fighting for women's rights. Women who choose to be mothers are, are looked down on a lot of times. Uh, but in the Old Testament, you see the women that were in the lineage of Christ, and they were absolutely unlikely but absolutely amazing women. When you say that, when you say that, Nathan, yeah. that there were women in the lineage of Christ, we're not talking about the ones that quote unquote societally, is that even a word, yep. deserved to be in the lineage of Christ. And yet he chose them. Yes. That's, that's a picture of grace, even in yeah. Christ's ancestors. I mean, it was, it's amazing. But then when you get to the New Testament, um, and a lot of people don't seem to realize this. This blows my mind. Women were so important in the life of Christ, and that's a little bit of an understatement because his mom was Mary. So that's, that's a pretty important role in his life. She brought him into this world. Who didn't need world. a man. <laughs> she didn't need no man. That's, that was absolutely true in that case. <laughs> but even in the, the New Testament, women were deaconesses. There were prophetesses. And I had this conversation with someone recently that there were no women prophets in the New Testament. And obviously they, there were. Philip had four daughters that prophesied. But then Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven five, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. And we don't understand that because that was more of a cultural mandate. But the point is, Women were prophesying in the church. So I believe there are roles and guidelines for women, and there are aspects that relate to the fall and to the curse that enter into this discussion. But women are valued and exalted in Christ's church. And I think as believers, we have to lift women up. Amen. So it's interesting to hear you talk about how it's, it's almost always been since the beginning of time since eve in the garden that the devil wanted to 
our enemy wanted to attack women. Yep. And I heard someone once say that the church should not be matching the culture, that the church needs to be ahead of the culture. Mm. And I love that the church can lead in this area of valuing women. We can set that benchmark and show that this is, this is your worth. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm the uh, husband of a wife and the father of three daughters. And um, I want to see all of my daughters constantly affirmed, which I do, um, not just for their appearance, but for their thoughts, for their words, mm-hmm. for their insight. Um, I constantly affirm all of those things, and all three of my daughters, uh, thankfully, they possess those things. Uh, my wife is an amazing woman. Uh, she would have to be to stay married to me all of these years. Uh, I'm married so far up, it I don't even understand it. God still works miracles. But uh, I've watched her walk with God through the difficult times. At times when I would have given up, she was the encourager that kept us going. And then, you know, my three daughters, uh, my daughter Kelsey is our worship leader. Uh, She leads a team of about 36 people, and she's an extraordinary leader. Uh, She speaks God's word over our congregation during our worship time as God's word explains why we sing the songs we sing, Mm. and she rightly uses God's word. She has an incredible devotional life. Um, She leads that entire team to live in Bible devotions in an ongoing way so that they value their time off the platform as much as they do their time on the platform. Mm. Uh, So to see her leading now, uh, it's just such a blessing. And I think, you know, I think being that I've grown up really since... 19 years old being married and then in my 20s you know another girl was added and then another girl and then another girl I think living all these years in a house full of women by the way and even a female cat um, I can't (laughs) I can't get a break but I think just I've become so much more sensitive to the derogatory statements made about women Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm offended by the jabs and the demeaning and the belittling because I just want to say this uh, and then then JC you can jump in uh, by all means on this because I know you have daughters as well all three of us do but you know pastors need to be careful what they say about women because if it weren't for good godly women virtually every church would have gone out of business years ago because women have kept churches going in this season of weak men because there's a drought of male leadership and in that absence good godly women have remained faithful they've given they've served and thank god for great women so what about you jc so i was thinking over this question when y'all sent it to us today and there's really there's four ladies that have played a a really big role in my life and two of them you know our family my mom uh, just if you're on our RFP group page, you see my mom commenting all the time. I mean, just a few years ago, that wouldn't have, you know, I, I, that would have been crazy talk because mom was the one that really kept us in legalism. I mean, that came from her side of the family. Um, you know, mom, mom has uh, really like just 
it's it's she is a incredible person to see all the stuff she's she's a who she, she's crazy she came and hung out with us the other night and oh yeah in a zoom meeting she was great don't believe anything she says though um about me <laughs> um but you know mom really is like a, a, a saint i mean she took care of eight mentally handicapped ladies when i was growing up and homeschooled me and my brother and sister and got food ready for almost 14 people every day, like three meals a day on top of that. you know, And, and just watching mom, knowing that she's always ready to talk with you, to pray with you, um, that has been an incredible thing. She's a phenomenal grandma to all the kids. Um, you know, I'm just ready for her to retire and enjoy some, some downtime. Uh, mom has been an incredible, incredible lady. My wife um, is just a absolute, just a representation of just – I can't, there's so many words to, to add there. I mean, just a phenomenal mom of six, um, just like the perfect help me. I mean, she's just an incredible person, uh, like phenomenal pastor's wife. Like there's so many things I could just keep going on and on and, you know, uh, about how much God has just blessed, not me, but just our family and everybody that knows Kim, mm-hmm. uh, just with who she is. And then there's two ladies that have really, um, made an impact in my life. Um, I believe uh, along the lines of what Brian just said, I, you know, I mean, we're, we're pastors and we see the majority of the time it's the moms, it's the ladies that are continuing to bring their kids to church. It's the moms that you hear songs written about mama praying. Um, it's the, it's the, the sermons that you hear about. I had a praying mama, I had a praying grandmama. Um, there were two ladies, um, that are, that are one's elderly. Now the other one is, is, uh, has passed away. Um, but one of them was the name of Maria Sarbro, and uh, Maria Sarbro was in her late 80s. She lived right across, Lois, you'll know this from Tennessee Temple Days. She lived right across the street from DeMoss Dorm, um, right there on, uh, there's a little white house that's set on the corner, and uh, there was DeMoss Dormitory and then her house. And when I was 14, uh, we owned a, a landscaping company, and long story short, we started mowing her yard. And she passed away about five years ago, and up until the time she passed away, uh, she would send me a handwritten letter every other month and just told me about the ways that she was praying for me, the way that wow. she was praying for the ministry. Um, she she would always add in a bookmark, never money, just a bookmark. She said, I can't, bl- I can't bless you financially, she said, but no, I'm praying for you. And that was a praying woman. And uh, Man, there's so many, you know, there's so many days I was like, man, I wish Miss Arbor was just alive just so I'd know she's up praying. The other lady is, her name is Myrna Smith. Um, Nate, you know Myrna Smith. Myrna is a, you love her, you, you, she drives you nuts, you love her. You, she, she's so much stuff to so many people. Um, Myrna Smith was my voice teacher in middle school, was our choir director. I've, I've been in plays with her and musicals with her. She's had me wearing sequins, American flag vest, and doing some of the dumbest stuff in front of folks. There are many times that Myrna would just give the word that you needed in that moment. And, uh, you know, I just think there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of people that would say the exact same thing uh, that I'm saying right now because of Myrna. And, you know, I got to thinking about this as Nathan was talking, as Brian was talking. You know, I have three daughters. I'm a, I'm a dad of three daughters. Um, they're my youngest girls. And I've been a student pastor for years. Um, and if there's one thing that, that terrifies me is raising daughters in this generation because of the, the, the role models 
the lack of role models that mm-hmm. my daughters have. I mean, you look at primetime TV just the other night, and you have Cardi B and some other girl up there singing WAP on stage and literally softcore porn right there on the TV in primetime. I've got teenage girls that are singing these songs. Well, I, I got onto these girls the other night because I see my daughters in these students because they're going to be students soon. And these girls, they don't even understand. They're calling themselves all these names. And then in their next TikTok video, they're quoting verses about how they're chosen and they're the beloved child of God. And I'm like, Mm, do you not realize how many messages are coming to you that try to put labels on you, that try to tell you who you are and you need to wear this and you need to look like this, you need to act like this, you need to sound like this. When you've mm-hmm. got to understand your identity and how that is can be found in God, and you don't have to say this about yourself, and yeah. you know, so I, I just I'm so thankful, like that the RFWP and so many ladies that are rising up that that can be phenomenal role models for younger ladies that know the word, um, that that can just speak positive messages into their life and can give them truth, because there's so many just crap messages out there that these young ladies are buying into and it terrifies me as a dad of daughters you know i'm just praying god let them attach to somebody that's positive a a role model that can point them in the direction of you hey guys i hope that you have enjoyed part one of our conversation with the rfp guys obviously we can talk for hours together so we broke up this conversation to make it a little more easy to download, enjoy, and listen to. So this is part one, and then there's part two. Um, Part two is also posted today, so there's no waiting. In part two, we get into reactions from some recent tweets, as well as diving into some power dynamics that are affecting the church, and so much more. It's definitely a conversation that you won't want to miss. As always, you can reach out to Lois and myself at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com forward slash sister seeker. And we have a few different tier options for supporting the show. Another way that you can support the show is by leaving us a review. This helps us get this message and this cause into the ears of more women just like you. Thanks for being here, friend.